Welcome to What's NXT, the podcast about the best weekly wrestling television show, NXT. I'm Tristan Marsh. I'm Alec Basio. And this is a special episode for the NXT year-end wrap-up. It's episode 428. It aired on January 3rd, 2018. That's right. Everybody get used to writing that shit down now. (laughs) Write that 18. (laughs) That's my relatable joke of the day. What's the deal with homework? You're not working on your home. Right now, New York City is being hit by a gigantic blizzard. Yep. We're basically snowed in. Yeah, you guys are going to be hearing maybe occasional huge gusts of wind blow through my air conditioner that's been installed in my window. Because again, I'm a schmo. Just know every time you hear that, my punishment is I just got cold. You're definitely going to hear a bunch of snakes constantly. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? <laughs> that's right, because that's also, we do have a lot of snakes in New York. They're just all over the place. Everybody thinks that it's steam radiators. But it's actually just, we're inundated with snakes. Mm-hmm. I hate snakes, Shock! I hate them! It's snakes all the way down. Everybody knows reptiles' favorite season, which is winter. So that's when the snakes all come out. Well, no, it's, it's cold, so they all come in. <laughs> oh, I see. If you're cold, they're cold, but it's a photo of a snake biting somebody on the arm. How are you? How you doing today? What seems to be the problem? Ow! <laughs> just gave me a huge thumbs up for that joke where I literally referenced a minor web meme. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I didn't even have anything to drink yet. Really? On a snow day? I know. Well, I'll be going pretty hard after this. You know, I'm very professional, guys. I'm sure our conduct on last week's episode has shown you just how professional we are. Such good conduct on last week's episode that Alec forgot that we had recorded the episode for about (laughs) half an hour. (laughs) Well, that's because I'm in time dilation. When you work in education, you get a lot of days off, and now we've got a day off, and I just, I just, I've been, you know, time just compresses. Before we talk about the episode, you want to get some bullshit out of the way? Let's go for it. Did you watch Raw? No. Yeah. I did. It was pretty good. Oh, right. Bullet Club. Guess who just got back today? Them wild eyed boys that had been away. Finn Balor <laughs> and the club reunited. And sure. literally every single photo is just all of them with the biggest, happiest smiles on their faces. They're two sweeting constantly. I did see pictures of that. It's time for the Ballort Club. I don't know what are they going to call it, but they could call it the BC. Like it's like an era. Like B.C. <laughs> then we'll have two eras in WWE. Yeah, and they'll meet. Ah, oh, this is our era. No, this is our era. Oh, man, that's really good. Did you watch SmackDown? Nope. The mailman, Carl Malone, showed up. 
and threw up the diamond cutter hand signal. Sami Zayn had a fun match with AJ Styles. But oh, that's fun. most importantly, Rusev showed up to ruin the New Day's New Year's celebration through pancakes around. It was good. Awesome. Oh, I heard pancakes were a thing now. They had a candle and a stack of pancakes for Woods to blow out and make a wish. And he snuck in and blew the candle out first and yes. stole his wish. You know what that means. It's going to be Rusev year. It's Rusev day. Oh my God. It would be really fun if <laughs> that became an ongoing thing. Him and Woods just stealing each other's wishes. That would be fun. Oh, because I could see him and Lana, like, breaking a turkey wishbone or something. And then Xavier Woods just shows up and karate chops it right in the middle. Or, like, Aiden English is like, oh, hold on, Rusev. You have an eyelash on your cheek. <laughs> and he takes it off and he's like, blow it away and make a wish. And Xavier Woods jumps out. Poof. <laughs> My wish. I love that. Oh, I really love that. Did you watch 205 Live? No, but instead I listened to a bunch of things to get me prepped for us watching Wrestle Kingdom, which has already happened, and we didn't see it. That's almost 205 Live. <laughs> That's like 205 Live. Yeah, we're watching it this Sunday. Yeah, we're making a whole event of it. So no internet use, okay, Tristan? Yeah. I already almost watched... The, the Kenny Omega Chris Jericho match by accident because it was next on my YouTube playlist. Oh no! <laughs> Literally, oh, the only thing that I've found out about it is yeah. that Kenny Omega comes out cosplaying his Destiny 2 character. Oh, that's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest spoiler I've read so far. Okay, great. Oh, man, I can't wait for that. I can't wait to hear Cyrus have to explain what that is. Of course, finding a spoiler about the Omega Jericho match isn't the biggest deal for me because I'm all about that Naito match. I'm so excited. I know excited. that's going to be good. Well, what I will say is the stuff that I did listen to instead of watching 205 Live, one of them was Chris Jericho, who released a podcast the day before the match was going to take place, where he was talking to Don, and he was saying, now listen, I don't know about this Naito guy, I don't even know who he is, but he snubbed me on the plane, he, play, he played big boy at me on the plane, and you know, he's really got problems with this match, I think, and then they talked about that for a while, and I'm like, oh shit, it's going to be an LIJ run, and there's going to totally be something, something is going to happen. There was like three months of build of who is Switchblade and Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega taking shots at each other online. And it was revealed that Switchblade was Chris Jericho and they're going to have a match. And the second that happened, Naito and Jericho start sniping at each other online where <laughs> Naito's like, Chris Jericho is washed up and Chris Jericho is like, who the fuck is Naito? Who is this guy? Is he some jobber? This is going to be so great. I can't, because like, I've been telling you, he's been saying his name wrong, too. Like, he's just been like, Naito. Like, he's been, like, very, it's been very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm super interested to see what happens, or if they're just fucking with us now. Because, I mean, like, he could just be fucking with us after this, because he could be like, this is exactly what I did before. Yeah, and everybody yeah. thinks this is going to happen. 
But watch, I'm going to show up on Raw next week. <laughs> he's going to show up on Raw next week, and they're going to be like, Chris Jericho, where were you? And he's like, I can't talk about it. The Orient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, even better. Vince McMahon will come out and say, Chris, I'm so happy to see you back from the Orient. Did you discover that secret passage to bring spices and silk back to us quicker? Jinder, <laughs> <sighs> you're from there. Come out here. Vince McMahon is like a Portuguese prince that's <laughs> getting wrestlers to go to Japan or India to bring him back exotic spices and gunpowder and things like that. And they're yeah. like, no, Vince, I took a plane. What's this? Is this one of their contraptions? A plane? They have those over there? <laughs> but I've also heard from some crazy guy that I talk to a lot that he thinks that there's going to be LIJ run-in and it's going to cause Jericho to join Bullet Club. I think that's completely insane. <laughs> that sounds pretty insane. That, yeah, that sounds completely insane. So I think that a lot of people think that this is just going to be a one-off match. And they've definitely been playing with the idea that maybe this is going to be a continuing thing. But Chris Jericho joins Bullet Club would be the kind of storyline you would do if, like, Chris Jericho is going to wrestle for us for the next four years. And I don't think that's going to happen. No. No, I agree. It's more likely that Kenny Omega joins Fozzie. <laughs> We've got a second bass player, guys. <laughs> Alec, a little update on your Christmas present. It's still on its way. I definitely bought it. <laughs> Is it Minoru Suzuki related? No. Oh. Oh, okay. Just wondering. No, it's not Minoru Suzuki related. Do you want to do you want to take another guess? Oh shit, should I guess? Let's guess. Um well, we were talking about NJPW right before you brought this up. So, is it a Bushi mask? No, it's not a Bushi mask. You'll just have to wait. It's okay. it's definitely it's definitely happening. And I'm definitely okay. not asking you what you want to get ideas. Oh. A bushy mask. Bushy mask, huh? <laughs> it's weird no, because no. you gave me a Christmas present. And that was yeah. nice. It was the Undisputed Era t-shirt. My girlfriend right. gave me a Christmas present. That was nice. It's this lovely Ingobernables trucker cap, which I'm yeah. going to be wearing during the Nido match when we watch it this Sunday. Of course. But um, I don't have a gift for you. But I, but it's on its way. I promise it's on. You want to get to the episode? Yes, let's. So this is a weird episode. It starts with William Regal telling us that this is going to be a two-hour clip show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this very special edition of NXT. Tonight we'll be taking an extended look back at this past year. Yay! Yay! And there was much rejoicing. The hosts are the two announcers, 
Mike Rome and Kayla Braxton. They do an all right job, but it's just weird because I didn't know that Mike Rome could say things that weren't. And in this corner. One fall. <laughs> yeah. You know, like he's making statements about people and giving opinions. And I'm like, I literally thought that you were a robot that they had. I thought you were a street profits prop. I thought that you were one of those street buskers that paints themselves all in silver paint and Ooh, acts like yeah. a robot. But when yes. you throw a dollar in his bucket, he announces an upcoming match. That's gotta be it, right? Speaking of silver paint, Kyla Braxton has some pretty intense glitter makeup going on. I mostly listened to them when they came on. <laughs> I kind of wasn't looking at the... Yeah, I don't know. Let me see. Um, I guess uh, Chrome Dome. Good? No? M Metalhead? Sure. Maybe maybe she's the Ninja Turtles robot Metalhead? Other Street Sharks and, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles villains, sure. <laughs> at one point, Mike Rome is talking about Adam Cole later in this episode. Yeah. Does she mouth Bebe? She doesn't mouth Bebe. He doesn't mouth Bebe. I think he knows that he isn't supposed to say Adam Cole Bebe. So all he does is very slowly stick up the two hands, two fingers, and raise them very slowly, very slowly. Raise them until they're above his head. And then Kyla Braxton shoots him a face like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? And oh he kind of looks at her sheepishly God. and puts his hands down. No. Oh, I'm so sad I missed that. Oh, my <laughs> God. I should have been watching them. Oh, I can't even remember what they look like. And now you're telling me this happened? It's great because I feel like the unspoken story there is Kyla Braxton is like, you're the ring announcer, and I'm the person that interviews them afterwards. We're supposed to be impartial. You can't show favoritism like this. And he's like, you, but... You can mark out. You can mark out. Come on. But but the two fingers in the air... You don't the, think you don't think Corey Graves marks out like a fucking crazy man? He, he does. You know he does. He shows up a couple of times in this clip show, and every single time he's being interviewed, he's just like, they're amazing. I think that they'll kill me the next time they see me. I love this wrestler. He's a, he's a very good commentary guy. He puts over everybody. He's great. The first thing that happens is they do a recap of the Nakamura versus Bobby Roode feud from the beginning of the year. <laughs> Highlighted by Bobby Roode, newcomer to NXT, declaring himself basically the most important man in the world, and Nakamura telling him, he wasn't shit. They put on one really great match that ends with Nakamura suffering an injury and Bobby Roode completely capitalizing on it to win the belt. And when Nakamura comes back for his rematch, Bobby Roode is waiting and retains the belt. The first thing that I noticed from all this is the match recaps are horribly edited. Yeah, it's weird, because later on, we get, like, huge segments of match, too. Later on, they actually show us chunks like of matches. Yeah. When they recap matches, they, like, add a weird After Effects shaky cam thing to it, 
and it's yeah. a bunch of really fast-paced editing and it's kinetic and you don't know what the fuck is happening so it's really weird that they're doing this to like show off this match they're like here's one of the best matches of the year i hope you already saw it because otherwise you don't know what's happening i think that they close up on them a lot i mean when we saw the drew match versus bobby Roode, and he was doing his claim and they just showed all these claymores and shit you could see him slapping his leg because they moved it in so they zoomed in so much it's like crazy how ooh, i just did not like the editing either i agree with you which is really weird because i feel like this kind of secondary production you know not the production on the night but putting together packages is usually where WWE shines. Maybe NXT doesn't. Maybe it's just NXT. And that's why they always have like that HTML code in places. And all their clips look like they were put together by like an indie horror movie guy. There's a really good video on YouTube by Showbuckle. Love that guy. He goes through the differences in production choices in WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling. A lot of the issues he has with WWE production, which are usually night of production, which kind of makes a bit more sense, yeah. are now even more evident in the recap packages that they do, which, like I said, it's weird. You would think you wouldn't choose the shot of him slapping his thigh when he kicks somebody if you're going to show him kicking somebody. Or just show, like, at the regular Zoom level, where you wouldn't notice it because he's a professional and he does this all the time. But it was squared up in the center of the screen, the exact spot where he hit his leg, and, like, they zoomed so far in. It was crazy. Maybe that's, though, why they were making it so hard to visually follow, so that you could just be like, what the fuck is going on? It just know. becomes a blur of things happening. My least favorite kind of wrestling, when you're just like... Oh, they're doing something. Cool. Well, it's like in those movies where they don't have real martial arts people playing the characters, so they have to do all these quick cuts whenever they're doing anything, so you can't see that they just don't know how to do any of the stuff that they're doing. Yeah, every strike does a cut into a hand hitting a face. This gave me some flashbacks to a time when I was getting super ready to be super into NXT, because I was watching this and I was like, Oh, man, I remember when I was, like, a huge Nakamura mark, and I really liked the Bobby Roode-Nakamura feud, and I thought that was, like, really cool and interesting. I liked Bobby Roode's character, where he was just, like, a shit heel, but, like, a, like, a, like a champ heel who's, like, really good, and, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the richest guy in the room, but he could flip his top all the time. He's on top of the world, and you want to see him fall. Yeah. It's, it's great. And the Nakamura thing where he was like, he was so powerful that the only thing that took him out was an injury. It was it was so cool. I look at them now, and it's like, oof. <laughs> like, Bobby Roode is like a hero, kind of, which is so weird. Right? Maybe we could talk a little bit about NXT heroes that have moved on to the main roster. Yeah, that sounds good. This year's heroes... Or whatever. What do you call them? Last year's model? What do you, what, what, what's the segment called? Where are they now? Yeah, sure. Why not? This section, even though it's Nakamura versus Bobby Roode, it also shows Nakamura versus Sami Zayn. Yeah, it which shows was fucking great. Nakamura versus Samoa Joe. It also has 
Nakamura versus Finn Balor, a couple of other people. Yeah. And I'm looking at it and I go, wow, all of these guys have moved up with the exception possibly of Samoa Joe only. All of them have been plagued with poor booking decisions that have really cut out their momentum. I'd say Finn was the one that maybe could have stood a chance if he didn't get hurt. But that after that, he really came back in like nothing because they'd already forgotten about him. But getting hurt is kind of, it shouldn't be accepted, but it should be expected. And the fact yeah. that they were about to make this guy the most important person in the world on Raw, and then he got injured, and when he came back, they literally haven't had anything for him to do up until maybe this week when they're like, oh, maybe he's going to put the Bullet Club back together. Well, let's see what happens. Yeah, who the fuck knows? Exactly. Um, Sami Zayn is finally starting to have something going on with him now that he's a heel. Like you said, you watch this segment and you're like, oh man, I remember a year ago when every single week I thought about all of these guys. I wonder what Samoa Joe is going to do. I wonder what Nakamura is going to do. And now when they show up, I'm like, oh yeah, they're on TV. Now I don't even watch the show because I'm worried. Part of the reason I don't watch Raw anymore is I don't want to watch anything with Asuka in it on Raw because I'm really nervous about her still. Yeah. I almost want her to lose so that it's like they rip the band-aid off so I don't have to worry about watching the episode where... I get that because they surprisingly haven't fucked up Asuka all that much. But because they fucked up everybody else, that isn't a good thing. You aren't like, oh good, they aren't going to fuck up Asuka. You're like... They fucking lasted one more week. Yeah, uh, it's the edge of the seat every time, but not for the reason they want you to be. <laughs> That's such carny mentality. Eh, people are excited. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. no, but they're not a nervous because they're invested in the match. They're nervous because they think that you're going to fuck up a character. Eh, same thing. Get that money, baby. Stack so fat, I can't fit my hands around. You know, one of the things that I really missed from this little package was this one promo that Bobby Roode did where there are all of these clips of him watching their first match. He's watching their first match and he's seeing himself basically steal the belt from Nakamura. When I was first watching the promo, I was kind of like, ah, that's goofy, but that's kind of fun. Little did I know that when they had their second rematch, a bunch of the spots that he was watching in those promos, when they happen in the rematch, he dodges out of Nakamura's way. And I really liked that as a little bit of storytelling that I kind of wish had gotten re-highlighted because obviously they're more focused on the wrestling, which was great, but I really like NXT for a lot of those small story moments. And this would have also brought in something cool to the character that he's really smart. So that, that would have been cool to see as well. Because we're I don't know if we're seeing that now. Again, I don't really watch the show. <laughs> I don't really watch... What is he on, SmackDown? I don't really watch SmackDown. Maybe he wasn't smart enough to prepare for their first match, but knowing that he had won the belt, he was smart enough to prepare for their second. I think that that did a world of good because... He gets the heat from capitalizing on an injured knee in the first match. 
and then he retains the heat from dodging a running knee strike, which is one of Shinsuke Nakamura's big attacks, you know? Like, to dodge that, the whole crowd just fucking hated him. (laughs) We want to see that connect. Especially because you stole it the first time. Like... (laughs) it's amazing heat when you steal something and then after the fact prove that you were good enough to win it (laughs) i mean the 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 other important thing that was kind of cool about this feud was that nakamura didn't have the belt at the end like he didn't lose it before getting called up he couldn't get it back yeah so that was actually pretty interesting too because it showed they were making kind of a conscious decision to be like no no take a look what's going on you can't just judge us based on previous booking decisions. It isn't always going to be that the champion loses and then moves up. Sometimes yeah. it's going to be the champion loses, has a two to three month recovery, comes back, throws a couple of promos around. You think he's going to win it back, but no, he lost it again, and now he's ready to move up. Sometimes they'll just retain forever. <laughs> You want to take us to this? Next? Yeah, I'll take us to the next place. I'm going to that place. Oh, he's going to that place. <laughs> he's hearing voices. Uh. Alex hearing voices. Yeah. So our second recap was DIY versus Authors of Pain in Takeover San Antonio. <laughs> During this match, DIY captured the titles from Authors of Pain, and everything looked like it was going up. All right, and then we had a big discussion about the tag division. Pretty cool. (laughs) So, you know, I'm really digging this because they're selling that they have a good tag division, which right now, as far as WWE goes, is not an amazing tag division on the main roster. Right? Didn't we have like two months straight of just Shield and 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 the the bar or something like that? Or Shield and the Miztourage. Yeah, isn't it just like it's the Shield and someone else? And literally on SmackDown, it was the Usos and the New Day for probably about half a year. <laughs> yeah, and now it's just going to be the Bludgeon Brothers. But like, who can you put Bludgeon Brothers with? Because they're just going to squash everybody. So you can't put them with the Usos because it's like. So you just stick them with. Rizango, who haven't wrestled in eight months, but have built a bunch of support because of these amazing segments they're doing, and now they're just going to squash them eight times in a row. Yeah, hey, it worked with Zack Ryder, right? Look where that guy is. Yeah, look. Even Mojo Rawley doesn't want to be seen with him. (laughs) Yeah, that, uh, yeah, so it is nice to point out, hey, we've got a really strong tag division. And you know what, watching this... They do. Yeah. They actually have a good tag division. We've got guys like Heavy Machinery, Sabatelli and Moss. We've got the Street Profits, of course. And we have TM61, which I was not super familiar with. I don't remember these guys too much, so I had to do a little research. And according to Bulbapedia, TM61 is the special move Willow Wisp. I didn't look and see what types can learn, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't 
and check that out. I'm sure it's a good move. I don't know. It was after I stopped playing Pokemon. So. TM61 were super big about, I want to say, maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. They had a match against Authors of Pain with Paul Ellering stuck in a shark cage over the ring. Sure. Why not? Basically, they're just two fun Aussie guys. Yeah. Well, they they were from NJPW. I, I kind of know a little bit about them, but I didn't even realize they were on NXT. I guess they just slipped out of my head. They used to be called the Mighty Don't Kneel. Yeah. And now, instead of the Mighty Don't Kneel, they're... That's just their motto. But one of them got injured a while back, and we just haven't seen him for almost a year. Oh, wow. Is that what it was? Yeah, no, I just, I was looking at him. I'm like, are they new? I was like, they're not new. Who are they? Why do I not know this? And it really sucked, because when this guy got injured, TM61 was, like, on track to being as over as DIY. They, they, they do that weird, like, yeah. X yeah, above their the head. This is the, the steeple crap. Yeah. And there were tons of people in the audience doing that. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll do it. They seem really fun. I might like them. They never got custom graphics. It was still just the weird 3D <sighs> rotating TM61. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Huh. Well, you know what? I'm excited to see them come back, and they're definitely pushing them with this uh, flashback. Two people that they aren't pushing are the Ely brothers. Probably the definition of forgettable. Yeah. The only other tag team that doesn't get mentioned is Donnie Blorch. I'm starting to think that they're not 100% sure that they want to keep them as a tag. That's too bad because they're over as a tag and they've only they had are. two tag matches. I know. And they've lost, I think, both, right? Yeah. So it would be pretty cool to see them as a tag team, like, sticking around. After learning about the other tag teams, later on in the match, we get the DIY breakup recap, which I don't know why we need to see this, because it's clearly burnt into our brains. Yeah, this actually... Yeah, oh, who said burnt into our brains? Somebody said that. Did somebody? Did, I think... Did, I think Gargano said it. No, he didn't say it. He said he doesn't remember it because he doesn't remember much of that day or whatever. Somebody said it. Because he doesn't like to remember any of it. So he's purposefully pushing it out. Yeah, well, because he's like PTSD. Oh, man. That's a really interesting angle with him, and I, I kind of like it. And there's that great shot of Tommaso Ciampa sitting on the announce table above the other tables yeah. that he's thrown him through, and he looks completely... It's really cool because this was like the classic tag team member turns on the other guy. Almost every other time when this happens, the guy who turns likes to stand over and be like, that's right, I'm the top dog. This one, Tommaso Ciampa beats up his best friend and then sits down on the commentary table and looks at him completely dejected. Like, he didn't want to do it, but he knew he had no choice. Yeah, I like that. It's so I'd good. like to think that when I turn on you, that's what's going to look like. Not if I turn on you first, motherfucker. Oh, you won't. You're more over than I am. <laughs> During this retrospective, we get to see Ciampa wrestle the Authors of Pain. Holy fuck. 
I forgot. Champa's like really fucking good. I used to watch this guy like on Ring of Honor or whatever. This guy's awesome. Yeah, of course. Damn, where the hell is he? I know he's injured, but ah. You you look at Johnny Wrestling, and he's in perfect shape. And then you look at Tommaso Ciampa, and he's like beyond perfect shape. He's at like point zero zero one body fat, and yeah. It actually does make him look like he's psychotic because he's got veins popping out all over the place. He looks like he's made out of muscles and, like, fucking suspension bridge cables. Like, that's what this guy looks like. He's he's great. I can't wait to see this guy come back. It's going to be awesome. Tommaso Ciampa, he would be a Red Lantern, right? Yeah, I bet he'd be a Red Lantern. Yeah, I'm sure. Just so angry that all of his blood has exited his body. Absolutely. I mean, Johnny Wrestling is obviously a Green Lantern. Yeah, because he's all about, like, justice and shit. And he's like a Boy Scout, you know? Yeah, and doing the right thing. Obviously, Undisputed Era is Yellow Lanterns. I mean, 100%. (laughs) It's right there on their shirt. (laughs) It's like they're three Sinestros. (laughs) But, like, cool Sinestros. Yeah. Not, like, lame Sinestros. Oh, Velveteen Dream is a Violet Lantern, obviously. Yeah, I guess just because of the color. Or was it the Pink Lanterns? Which one were the, like, sexy ones? Yeah, the Star Sapphires. The Star Sapphires. Oh, I like that. That's very Sailor Moon. I think it. that's what it is. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, the Star Sapphires are all about, like, following your heart. Which one is the sexy one? Maybe it isn't the Star Sapphires. Here. Just go into Google, type sexy green lantern. I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> sexy green yes. lantern. Oh, man, you can see so much Ryan Reynolds porn. Let's go. Then we get some war games, too. We uh, spent an hour and a half talking just about this match in our two-hour war game special so that is true i mean it was a big match yeah but we aren't gonna re-litigate it right now no but i will say why don't we just recap everything that happened in that match why not just describe everything just in that match we'll just describe the whole match okay so you guys if you want you could just go ahead and drag your scrubber bar about an (laughs) hour (laughs) do we want to see another one of these another war games on NXT. Yeah, but every once in a while. I feel like every like year and a half. Yeah, I don't I don't think it should be a yearly thing either. It but I would be like a to yearly see it thing. Again. But like every so often a couple of groups of people hate each other so much that they're like, okay, go in there and kill each other. Yeah, Nobody I like gives that. A fuck. This recap of the War Games match though doesn't have the best shot of the match, which was Kylo Riley hitting himself in the face with a chair. <laughs> How do you miss out on that? I don't know, because that's match of the year. Kyle O'Reilly versus Chair. Later on, they do a recap of Black Velveteen Dream, and we get the shot of Velveteen Dream rising up behind Aleister Black. Of course. It feels like if you're doing a War Games match recap, you include that shot. (laughs) preferably over one of the commentators saying this is the most brutal match we've ever witnessed (laughs) just to underscore how actually goofy wrestling is 
or maybe even um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt say this is a state of war, 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 war. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Hostilities exist. Only total war can result in total victory. I declare a state of war. War were declared. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. <laughs> now we have the third recap of the night. Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Roode at Brooklyn Three. Which was an all right match. Yeah, it was a good match. The guys behind us thought that Bobby Roode legitimately lost a tooth. <laughs> I know. That was awesome. This recap package includes one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Drew McIntyre is angry. Bobby Roode has made Drew McIntyre angry. And he yells in anger. And they overdub an animal growl and shake the screen like he's King Kong. Yeah, you see, you don't get to see... Again, Tristan, they zoomed in, so you don't see the meter at the bottom of the screen, but he used his super there. Oh, I see. That's what that was. That was his super attack. I see. Was it, well, but he was just yelling, so was it his super attack, or was it like a V-trigger where, like... Yeah, it, no, V-trigger is Kenny Omega, all right? Let's, let's... uh, I meant Street Fighter V-trigger. Let's, let's keep it clean, all right, Seth? Okay. We went to Brooklyn 3. I think that we've mentioned that in passing. Have we? I don't know. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing we'd bring up. Why would we ever talk about how we went to one of the most exciting takeovers and had a great time? Yeah. I mean, it's just like it's just like you would go to any other wrestling show where the undisputed streak of Asuka was still defended, even though she was about to leave. It's like uh, any other super important fucking life event. This was the first time I had been to Wrestling Live, and I had to go to this because I've actually only really been into wrestling for about a year and a half or two years. And I was on the fence for a lot of the first half of that. And it was seeing Asuka at Brooklyn 2 that solidified that I was going to watch this all the time. I started out watching the main roster. Took me a while to start checking out NXT. So Brooklyn 3 comes around. They had been teasing that she was about to lose either the belt or her undefeated streak. When I bought the tickets for Brooklyn 3 for us, I was thinking either she will have lost, but it'll be a disqualification and she'll still have the belt. Or she would just lost the whole, she would just lost. And lost the belt. And then get called up. Because we knew she was going to get called up. And so I was like, I'm going to Brooklyn 3. Because Asuka is my favorite wrestler. And if I can't see her retain the streak, I at least want to see her lose the streak. Yeah. In much the same way that at the end of Old Yeller, the boy has to be the one to put his dog down. Like, no, no, no. Right. I have to be there to watch her lose so that I can have some emotional catharsis. And then she won. <laughs> and I was It was awesome. Like pointing in people's faces because I thought that she was going to lose because I thought that that made more booking sense, but because I love Asuka so much, 
I was still going on to websites that I go to online to talk about this shit and telling people she's not going to lose. She's unbeatable. Fuck off. No, she's not going to lose. She won. And I started pointing at people and being like, I fucking told you. And that was just the high point of the night. But that night had so much shit going for it. It was a great fucking takeover. I had a great time. I really loved being in the live crowd. I also had never been in a live wrestling show, which is crazy because you would think I would have gone to one because there were several periods in my life where I kind of was into wrestling and then I just dropped out. But like you, I came back fairly recently, big Oscar fan, but also, so I had to see this one also, but, uh, you know, hadn't seen anything live and really was super interested and super excited to see a live event. Uh, I think that it lived up to all the hype I was feeling. I especially enjoyed being in a crowd of people, interacting with people. Some of the highlights from my time there was everybody uh, making fun of Baron Corbin when we saw him walking up the stairs to give some sort of interview. And we were all chanting, where's your briefcase? Which was awesome because it was right after he lost the money in the bank briefcase to a dumb roll-up. The four guys behind us have, if you listen to this podcast at all kind of taken on a mythological status as yeah. like the biggest marks in the world without any hint of smarkiness right because they didn't even know who Lars Sullivan was they were like one of the guys kept calling him guy? Oni Lorcan <laughs> Oni Lorcan got jacked man yeah yeah <laughs> yes that was awesome them behind us and the 10 year old kid a couple of seats away from us oh Man, I shit in that kid's face. Kind of. He loved Gargano so much. (laughs) It was such an air of not thinking critically about anything that was really fun to experience. Absolutely. I mean, like, it's great because if you're, if you are an internet guy and you go on the internet a lot and you read this shit, it's like, ugh. I wish I could go back to, like, the first time where I saw Papa Shango light someone's hand on fire, and I thought it was fucking awesome. (laughs) It's like, well, hey, now I can see it, you know? I just have to go live. There are a couple of smart podcasts that I've listened to that have specifically talked about being a young kid and thinking that The Undertaker actually killed somebody. Yeah. And you're like, oh. oh my god, that guy died. And then he yeah, shows he put up. put in a body bag. I had never even seen a body bag before The Undertaker. The same guy shows up three weeks later, and you're like, oh, I get. I guess he didn't die all the way. Yeah, yeah. They must have fixed him up <laughs> at the pediatricians. We also had both of our girlfriends with us. Who oh, yeah. I think we're both expecting to enjoy it purely out of spectacle. And by the end of the night, they were both, like, really invested in things that were happening. And that was a really fun thing to see. I think that was good, too. And it's nice to get, like, a totally outsider's perspective, like, to the point where they don't know anything about it. So when they're looking at it, and then you're like, so which one do you like? So that's that's Bobby Roode versus Drew McIntyre. <laughs> I know that this doesn't have anything to do with your experience, dear listeners, watching NXT, but um, the takeovers are great to go to. And they're a third as expensive 
as the main roster live shows, I would so fucking recommend it. Uh, yeah, it's definitely worth it. If they're close enough to you that you could go. Because, I mean, yeah, it's a steal compared. You get to see fun things like No Way Jose getting attacked by Lars Sullivan, and then we haven't seen him for half a year. That is depressing. He's still in the center of the fucking posters and shit. Like, he's still part of the advertising. Leo Rush is still a part of the advertising. Wow, that guy had one match and then destroyed himself with Twitter. <laughs> and there's, But they're still like, check out this guy. Doesn't he look interesting? Yeah, look at his look. His look is great. You'll never see him because he's a fucking asshole. Drew McIntyre obviously won the belt at Brooklyn right. 3 off of Rude. And then Adam Cole showed up and kicked him in the back of the head, which everybody loves. Oh, yeah. And so now we get a bunch of packages about the men's division. We have an Adam Cole package. Can't get behind him enough. Love him. What's there to say? We've been talking about him every single fucking week. I know. Obviously, we like Adam Cole. So what am I going to do? Be like, oh, he's got a big head. We've said that a million times. He's great. We have a recap of the Aleister Black Velveteen Dream feud, which, like I mentioned before, includes the shot. There's going to be a lot of slide whistles on this episode. When Velveteen Dream gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, they're going to do that. They're going to play that. That's in his highlight reel for life now. Or or he's going to come out and someone's going to come up behind him in real life. They're going to raise his Velveteen Dream Aleister Black tights into the rafters like a sports jersey. And on the way up, it's going to do the slide whistle. Nice. I was going to do this thing at the end where I'd be like, winners and losers in NXT 2017. And then obviously he's the winner. Obviously, everybody has said that the Aleister Black Velveteen Dream match at War Games is one of the best, if not the best, match of the year. Yeah, it's in contendership. And it's almost purely because of the storytelling in the match, which I think is great. There are some cool things that happen. But there aren't any of those spots that have taken on a mythological status. Nobody's like, oh, do you remember when he did this? It's all like, do you remember when he gyrated his hips and everybody was chanting, say his name? It told such a great story from front to back that you can't help but love it. It was was really good. But overall, men's division looks good. Yeah. No clip show is complete without an actual match. So we actually get one. But at this point, we have to go back in time. (laughs) So before TakeOver, and we're back at the Mayan Temple, and it's Drew McIntyre versus Adam Cole, baby. With special guest star referee and, you know, star of the show, Shawn Michaels. This entire match is just about Undisputed Era having fun with Shawn Michaels. Come on, Shawn! (laughs) There's a lot of this match where Drew McIntyre is literally standing in a corner as Shawn Michaels and the Undisputed Era just yell things at each other. It's, It's great. It's really good. This is a fun match, and this is a great little dark match. I had no clue 
what an NXT dark match would look like. I assumed it would just look like a regular match because their matches are so athletic and, you know, whatever anyway. But no, this was really close to being like an indie-style match with a lot of comedy, a lot of goofy stuff, good spots, and then like a ton of audience participation to the point where some of the audience participation was really stupid. Like, Doing a delete chant when Undisputed Era gets banned from the ring. It's just like this big room full of smarks watching a match where one of their great heroes lays down the law. One of the guys even does a suck it. Drew McIntyre jumps on top of the turnbuckles and does suck it at the Undisputed Era while they leave. It's a very fun, hey, remember this? Like, hey, look at this wrestling that you love. Here's a bunch of shit for you. The match itself was fairly good. One of the difficulties that you might have with the match is when you look at it, you might not always be able to tell who's who because Cole and McIntyre look exactly the same except Cole is about three feet shorter and McIntyre is about three feet taller. But surprisingly, they have the same size head. <laughs> so, you know, it's very difficult when they zoom in, you know, same long hair, same head. Shawn Michaels is really the star in this one. Not only does he get into a fight with Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly, which ends in them getting sent away. I really liked him sending them away because of how long and drawn out he did it. Bobby Fish, of course, you can always hear him. So he's yelling, he tried to kick him. They grab Drew McIntyre's <laughs> ankle and Shawn Michaels sees it and they instantly are like, he attacked us first. It doesn't count. He attacked us. And then... Shawn Michaels milks this injection for about, I would say, a minute and a half. He, he dances. Walks over to the other corner and, like, pantomime stroking his chin. He's like, oh, I don't know. And then he talks a little bit with Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. And then he very slowly points at one of them. And then with his other hand, points at the other one. And then walks over to the other corner and then turns to them. You're out! <laughs> it's like. <laughs> and there are people in the audience like, eject him, eject him. Like, yes, that's clearly what he's gonna do. He's really the star of the match. It's, it's really a lot of fun to see his interactions with them. At some point, he gets into a confrontation with Drew as well. He Annoyed. tried to pull Drew off of Adam Cole in the corner, and Drew pushed him away and kept hitting him. Cole is standing in the ring in the corner and just shouts, You suck, Drew! <laughs> and then Drew gets so mad at him that he just beats the shit out of him. <laughs> it isn't even the worst insult, but saying that Drew McIntyre sucks to his face just enrages him if you go like yeah. drew mcintyre your mother's a whore he's gonna be like and eh, whatever you suck i'm gonna kill you cole was trying to like tune up the band when he got mad at michaels so he was like oh i'll show you i'll fucking super kick this motherfucker and then he missed he hits sean michaels mcintyre lands a claymore and pins cole for the 15 count according to the fans because they're counting wow <laughs> michaels is out cole and also again <laughs> Shawn Michaels is milking every second. He spends probably a five count just laying like he's still knocked out. 
And then he slowly rolls over onto his chest. And even his count, he takes like two seconds to raise his hand to bring it down. Oh, there's going to be a kick out. This is really weird because he had so much time. But Cole is still out. What the fuck's going to happen? You know what's going to (laughs) happen? Undisputed Era is going to come back to the ring. And they're going to pull Michaels out of the ring while he's doing (laughs) the count. That was so fun. He's like the babyface ref because he never gets involved in the actual match. He just like super kicks the other guys and beats up the other guys that are interfering. And he doesn't fast count Cole, which I kind of thought he could do, but he doesn't. You know why? Because he also had beef with Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre was pushing him around. So he's like completely neutral. He's a good guy, but he's completely neutral. It's called playing. Yeah, called playing for the cheap seats. He really is good at that. He works the room, if you will. I loved also when he sits up because he's been out for so long and he looks over and he doesn't understand the predicament. So he just touches his head with both of his hands and he's just like, oh God, what am I going to do? Like, he's just looking around like, why did I get involved in this match? But you knew he was going to do something because his referee shirt showed off his bulging giant muscles. I'm glad that we got to see a hell of a lot of humor. This is also the only actual match that we're going to see in the hour and 50 minutes of recap. They showed all of the other matches from this house show. It's also from the Legends of the Hidden Temple. Because they decided to not say, hey, this happened before War Games because we need a fucking week off. They then go, this happened after War Games, and they cut this really fun match because he already lost the belt. But then, if you're at all observant, you can figure out that, oh, this San Antonio match... Um, this happened before War Games. So why say that it happened after War Games? I don't know. And also another thing that I thought was stupid was that they put the belt on the line. Yeah, right. They're going to put the belt on the line in a dark match, number one, right before, the The day before before, yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but also we know from watching War Games that Drew McIntyre walked in as the fucking champion. So if you put the belt on the line, we know Adam Cole's going to lose, which is so stupid. It should have just been like a a grudge match or like a I want revenge for you kicking me in the back of the head match. We're getting hair versus hair in New Japan. Why are we not? Why can't we get weird stipulations like that? Although that's stupid because we already know Suzuki's going to win then because you can't shave all that shit off. It's never going to grow back. He basically has a rug stapled to his head <laughs> and well it's like a persian rug there's all these designs and shit yeah Come on. it's great but that's what i mean it's beautiful yeah. but i mean you can't get rid of that you'll never get it back the way it was this happened the night before drew mcintyre lost the belt at takeover war games which brings us to the second half of our men's division roundup which starts off with an excellent Zelina Vega Andrade Cien Almas promo against Johnny Wrestling. Hell yes. This was I really good. Guys. They're basically the treating Johnny Wrestling like a fucking twerp. They laugh at him. One of my favorite moments yes. is they show a behind the scenes shot after he won his title contendership. He yeah, com- yeah, yeah. he comes backstage, he's so happy looking big smile on his face he's our beautiful baby boy he's finally gonna get his shot that's been due to him for so long and from the side of the screen like 
two fucking cartoon villains like Boris and Natasha, they just step in. Andrade Cien Almas calls him a paro. And then Zelina Vega says something that I was hoping we were going to hear in this promo, which was, you again? <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. he already beat you, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Why did you even try? You know you're going to lose. Oh, They're such good heels. Oh, they're just... They really are. Oh, they're great. But they still have this thing, and I think it's either because of the way that they act with each other, like they look like they really like each other and they're friends, or because of maybe the way that they talk about like, oh, we had to get here and we're doing this. But they still kind of almost feel like underdogs to me in a weird way so i like i want to root for them even though they are super heels this is like everyone's cute wrestle boy and they're making fun of him like blatantly i I don't know at one point she's like yeah he won the match he doesn't deserve to be you know it's it's he doesn't deserve to hold this belt nobody can hold a candle to andrade cian almas and andrade cian almas is just sitting there like smiling and shaking his head yes yes but it's like when he then when he says like i'm planning for my future it's like i think to myself like oh i like that oh i like you even though you just were like such an asshole one and a half seconds ago i still can't get over how likable they are zelina vega and andrade cian almost contain multitudes you can't Mm. you can't pigeonhole them you can pigeonhole Somebody like Alars Sullivan. Not that he doesn't contain multitudes, but, like, he is a thing. Containing multitudes is part of his pigeonhole. He's pigeonholed as the weird verbal monster. Yeah. Every single Zelina Vega and Andrade Cien Almas promo that happens, they put just one more slight weird spin on it, where you're like, am I supposed to be rooting for this guy? Like, yeah, he's being a dick, but also... He's almost about to do the Heath Slater, like, I've got to provide for my family thing with that. I'm thinking about my future. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to win this belt and then I'm going to go and get my master's degree. Right? Like, you almost (laughs) feel like that's what he's going to say. He also says, look at me. I'm tranquilo. Like, he's doing that. He's starting to bring that in. He could be bigger even than he is now if he would just, like, embrace that whole... Yeah, you fucking, you smarks like Naito, right? Like, (laughs) guess who taught him that shit? This is also part of the reason why I think WWE wanted to revitalize him because Naito, it's Naito's year. So it's like, could you imagine what would happen if he like floundered in NXT for another year? He might just go there. He not only says, I'm tranquilo, he then follows it up with, I'm always tranquilo. He is so effortlessly cool. I am a huge Los Ingobernables mark. I love them. And one of the things that I love about them, and it's something that I love about the Sammy and Kevin pairing, and it's something that I love about Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega. They're like the perfect anti-hero people because they do shitty things and they take cheap shots, but they've structured it in a way where they've said, any bad thing we're doing pales in comparison to the bad shit that the system has done to us and andrade cian almas and vega are basically like he was being held back he he was aimless here and now vega has shown up and completely re-energized him and 
you expect him to be nice to people? No, he's finally on top. Why would he not tell everybody that he's the king, you know? Something about that is able to transcend. And, like, Naito is completely a jerk, but what did being a nice guy get him? It got him not just booze, but no response at all from the fans, and he had to leave NJPW. Yeah, they're assholes, but I completely understand why you would act like an asshole. Some might argue Naito's face makes it very difficult for you to think of him as a top babyface. <laughs> yeah, but you're not going to say that about Andrade Cien Almas. No, he's beautiful. Who's that hunk of swimmers? <laughs> also, for the record, I think Naito looks really cool, so great. But yeah. Andrade Cien Almas and, like, Sonata are on a different fucking level. How do you have that perfect of a face in a industry that's literally trying to break your nose constantly? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Beautiful people. It's also announced that at TakeOver Philadelphia, Black will be going up against Adam Cole, which is super great. Thank the Lord Jesus for 50-50 booking. I hope. I want to see him get his shit kicked in by Adam Cole, baby! Finally, it's working to our advantage. <laughs> Finally! Yeah, he's no longer chasing the title, guys, because he's so mad at Adam Cole. For what? For saying his name over and over again? He won. What the hell? Uh, for stealing the title contendership from him. Oh, yeah, that's right. In the four-way. The one that you forgot because that we you got were drunk. drunk. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I remember it now, if I think about it a little bit. I know what happened. There's audio of me talking about this. <laughs> There's definitely a reason that Aleister Black should be angry at Adam Cole. There's also a reason yeah. that Adam Cole should be angry at Aleister Black, which... Hey, that's the good reason. ...is the perfect feud. Like, that's what I really hated about the really horrible Rusev-Roman Reigns feud last year. Rusev was just trying to share his life with us i have photos from my wedding let me teach you about my family i love you guys you're the fans and i love you and then roman reigns would show up and be like hey you're fat and i hate you if it isn't going two ways then why the fuck are you fighting why isn't rusev just like i called hr on you you can't talk to me anymore i wonder if maybe roman's motivation was that he was worried that rusev was going to steal his looney tunes gimmick which he kind of did end up doing but yeah, doing it 20 times better. Yeah, well, yes. Because <laughs> Rusev is funny. <laughs> Rusev is great. Last part of the men's division, we finally get an interview with Johnny Gargano, who is completely clueless. It ends with you feeling reinforced. He's our adorable wrestle boy. We love him. He's naive again still. And when Ciampa shows up and destroys his 2018... We're going to be sad for him again. He literally but... says, I'm on top of the world again. As yeah. though he's like, no loose yeah. ends to tie up. I tied yeah. up all the loose ends. I believe he says 2018 will be the best year of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's basically like... As he paints a giant target on his chest. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty great. It, it's cool because in the beginning of this interview, when he's talking about the Gargano, the, the Gargano Champa split, the, the whole thing, and he's just like... This is bad. You know, I felt really bad about it. I still don't understand to this day, blah, blah, blah. And he gets that, like, look in his face again that was, like, getting me super into into him when he was feuding with Sabatelli and Moss and, like, other stuff. And he was like, it just kept getting worse. I just realized something. 
You know why he said that, right? Uh, yeah, because Ciampa's coming back in Philly, right? No. Well, yes. Yes. That's why. That's why from a booking standpoint. It's also why Zelina Vega was like, I'm the master manipulator and I know how to tug on his heartstrings. She's going to walk out with Ciampa next to her. As they just show photos of her waving DIY shirts in front of his face. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, no. He said that because remember, at the beginning of the interview, he says that that night was so horrible, he doesn't like to think about it. He doesn't like to remember it. He said that he's on top of the world again. He said that 2018 was going to be great because by the end of the interview, he has stopped thinking about it because if he thinks about Ciampa, it makes him depressed. So he's just going to ignore it. He's in denial. He's in actual denial where he's like, that's pretty good. Nothing else to worry about. I've fixed everything. Yeah, I like that. Ooh, I do like Champa's going to show up and he's going to be like, and who are you? Am I supposed oh, to? Oh, man, wouldn't that be awesome if you just didn't even remember him? Am I supposed to remember you? I'm sorry. Did Have we met before? Oh, did we go to school together? Is that one of those things? Because you know what? Mr. Harrison's class. Mr. Harrison's class? Is that where? No? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I don't know, buddy. I don't know. You seem cool, though. I'm, I'm sure we had a great time. It, it, yeah, this is weird. Huh. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Tommaso, huh? Okay, yeah. No, I'll remember oh, your that's name. That's nice. Sounds Italian. <laughs> I'm Italian, I think. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if he doesn't even know? Yeah, no, it sounds like it. I mean, Gargano sounds Italian. Yeah, whatever. I'm Italian. I know, so. In talking about the men's division, a bunch of people kind of fall by the wayside. They're only passing references to Iker, Ono, and Sullivan in telling Gargano's story. We don't mention Pete Dunn or Tyler Bate at all. I think because they're still trying to sell it like they're UK and that's somehow separate from NXT. But I think as time goes, it's really going to start getting closer and closer. Yeah, they need to actually pull the trigger on a separate UK division or integrate them a bit more. Yeah. I think that's the only reason we didn't hear anything about it, because honestly, those guys had the other contender for match of the year in NXT, at least, I would say. They're really great. I mean, like, they had three matches this year, which might be in contendership for match of the year. That's Yeah, that's actually true. I keep forgetting how long 2017 actually was, so... It's a full year, man. Yeah, there's a lot of shit that happened. 12 months, it's... Yeah, it's crazy. Lastly, let's talk about the women's division. It's actually a good way to end it, but it was a really abrupt ending. Was I the only person who, like, went back and, like, I thought I, I thought it skipped? Like, I thought all of a sudden I was just watching The Miz thing, because I was on the network. So then I was like, what the fuck? So I went back to go watch it again, and I realized that was the last two seconds was just Ember standing on the post. Weird. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. It, it kind of needed a fade out or something. That, a fade out would have been exactly good. The only hint you get is the copyright notice pops up in the lower left-hand corner, and that's usually not enough to clue you in unless you're looking yeah. for it. We have a wrestling podcast, so we're not really big sticklers for copyright. So <laughs> We have a wrestling podcast, so we aren't really a big stickler for details. Yeah. Oh, that too. <laughs> we don't like obsess over minor things like, I don't know, the costume was red before and now it's blue, and I just don't think I like them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, 
That's way more important than copyright, though, right? I mean, intellectual property law, that's one thing, but, I mean, clothes? The Balor Club is a completely unique idea that they came up with, with no relation to previous clubs that certain wrestlers may or may not have started, okay? I believe that 100%, because it's spelled differently. Now, if it was Ballort Club... We get a package about Asuka, of course. This is maybe the only clip package that I didn't skip some moments through, because, as I've already mentioned this episode, I love Asuka. Or, as my phone translates her name as, Oscar. I'm still a grouch! After this Asuka promo, we get a whole rundown of, like, the 2018 women to look out for, women's division. And it's interesting, we don't see everybody from Mae Young, but we see quite a few from Mae Young. Uh, we see, uh, what's her name, Lacey... Evans. Evans. Yeah, Lacey Evans. She's fun. The pin-up military calendar one that looks really cool, and she's she's pretty good. Kyrie Sane, who's getting over with her pirate gimmick and having fun. I also noticed, because this is the first time I've heard it clean without like it being live in an audience... There are people saying yo-ho in the fucking song. That's how goofy she is as a person, as a wrestler. You you have to accept that. You have to take that with the elbow drop. Otherwise, you know, you're not getting the full package. In the same way that you have to do the same with Velveteen Dream, both Kyrie Sane and Velveteen Dream do really impressive, brutal-looking specifically elbow drops but also they have brutal looking other attacks but clearly their personal character is not the kind of person that would come out and be like i'm gonna rip you apart so you have to go the complete opposite you have to either be a pirate princess or be a weird prince guy now that i've come out and taken off my chaps and i have your face airbrushed on my legs now I'm going to drive my elbow through your face, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it works. And it, I think it works for Kyrie Sane, too. I don't know. Maybe other people don't think it does. You can just say that it works for Kyrie Sane, because I agree. It does work for Kyrie Sane. People have opinions other than ours, and they're entitled to have those opinions, and they're wrong. Right. I don't have opinions. I just see the truth of the world for what it is, and then I tell people about it. Yeah, when it comes to the rest of the women's division... Some great friendly face pops up that I was super happy to see again. Fucking Bianca Belair. Yes, thank you. Can we have, like, her every single episode next year? I'm super interested in seeing more of her. The hair gimmick is not even necessary for her. That's how good she is. The hair gimmick is cute and fun, but she doesn't need it. She could deadlift people over her fucking head, and I'd be just so pleased. She's amazing. Obviously, Shayna Baszler is going to have... A run with Ember Moon. I think that a Shayna Baszler Bianca Belair. I think that would be pairing really would really work, especially if both of them start to get over. That yeah. would be a way to have both of them feed off of each other. Shayna Baszler can be I'm a monster, and I've been in MMA for all these years, and Bianca Belair can be I'm a monster, and I didn't even have to go through MMA to do it. I'm just the best in the world, you know? Yeah, I, I think that would be really cool because it's two brash egos just, like, colliding up against each other. Both of them have significant amount of, you know, 
good look to them, but also, I mean, Bianca Belair has, like, fucking raw talent like crazy. She's insane. And Shayna Baszler can make a move look like it's going to destroy you because it's probably the real move, and she's just not pulling it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she knows how to do the move for real, so. Not that you should judge a book by its cover, but Bianca Belair is so destructive, but her looks are a little bit deceiving. Sure. Shayna Baszler looks like she eats car fenders. She looks like a junkyard dog. She looks as tough as she is. Which isn't to say that Bianca Belair doesn't look tough. She just doesn't look that kind of tough. She doesn't look like people find her sleeping under their porch and are like, eh, Shayna Baszler's back again. <laughs> With Shayna Baszler, you can look at her and you could be like, she might punch me in the face. <laughs> With Bianca Belair, you would look at her and you would not think in it instantly, she might deadlift me over her head. Like, that's the <laughs> yeah, thing yeah, yeah. that looks, she does not look like she can do that. And she can. She's insane. They also talk about Vanessa Bourne, who I always forget about. I think she's got to lose the Black Canary look. <laughs> she just looks exactly like a Black Canary cosplayer, and it's just really weird. Or she needs to start screaming at people. That's, oh, yeah, right. Or steal the gimmick and just be like, I am Black Canary. That that would work, too. If she came out on a motorcycle or something. The Black Songbird. Yeah, or, you know what? The, uh, the dark parakeet. <laughs> eh. Right? There you go. Sure. Sure, sure. Of course, rounding out our women's roundup, we've got Nikki Cross. <laughs> Bannockburn Banshee. Everyone's favorite, Nikki Cross, who's fucking great. And I realized also, I don't think she's ever delivered a promo where she says more than three words in a, in a, in a row. Nikki Cross, who again, if I recall correctly, her nickname in the UK was White Chocolate Cheesecake. She had like, another match of the year candidate, by the way. The last woman standing match. It was spectacular, yeah. That's that's something I forgot about because it didn't happen within the past two months. You know who Nikki Cross is, right? She's a Green Lantern? No. Character? She's Batman. <laughs> Because she keeps running out of the audience to save the rest of yeah. Sanity. I can see that. Or Ember Moon. Or Ruby Riot. Back before or she Ruby left. Ri yeah, yeah, yeah. Nikki Cross is totally Batman. There you go. You're Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am Batman. Next week, it says, we'll be getting an in-ring debut of Shayna Baszler. Nice. Which I'm very Looking excited Looking forward for. to a squash match. And then finally, we end with the Ember Moon package and interview that does more to solidify her as not just a great competitor but a great champion than anything they've done in the last few weeks i have to say this one was weird for me because i thought at the very beginning i thought oh they're gonna cut her all the time they're gonna like cut and paste everything that she says because she's a little she can sound a little unnatural on the mic and everything i realized this, this promo actually shows the two sides of the coin for Ember Moon. The reason why she's getting over, but she's not all the way over. And it's not that. It's not her. 
It's not when she talks. It's not the things she says. It's that for some reason, some asshole decided to put a fucking movie guy voiceover talking all this medieval shit about fire and the prophecy and the ghost or whatever. Myth rises amongst the voices, leading to unknown challenges. Dumb, dumb shit. It's like the opening narration from an episode of, like, Hercules or Xena. In a time of ancient gods, warlords, and kings, a man in turmoil cried out for a hero. He was Ember Moon. A mighty princess forged in the heat of battle. Her courage will change the world. In a land of myth and monsters. Yeah, yes. I was thinking Highlander. I was thinking in the beginning of the Highlander TV show. Oh my God. It's cutting from the Hercules narrator to her telling a super emotional story. Yes. It has everything. It's great. It has her dying grandfather's last words to her, which was to pursue her dream as a wrestler. <laughs> you can't even write it. It has her parents laughing at her when she said that she wanted to become a professional wrestler. Yeah, and her mom, like, even with a tear in her eye, thinking about the memories of her and the grandfather together. Her driving a 10-hour round trip five hours each way to drive to Houston to study under Booker T. And then it also yes. has Booker T talking about how much he believed in her. And Booker was in Houston. I was in Garland. That's a five hour drive. Once a week, I would drive down, stay there for training, then drive five hours back to be at school the next morning. I knew she had, you know, the ability to go out there and, and be a star. Um, the one thing I always just wondered if, if she was gonna get a chance. Which was something that I was saying an episode or two ago, where I was like, I want more. This guy mentored this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Booker T's a great one for that, because honestly, he's like a wrestling hero for me. I don't and know, whatever. And as incoherent as he can be sometimes, he's always so likable. And he's talking about how much she tried and how natural she was. And then she goes for her WWE tryout, and she gets a letter that says that they are not picking her up because she doesn't have the diva look. Doesn't have the diva look. That's what it said in the packet. Being told that at 19, 20 years old, that hurts. I know she had tryout after tryout and got turned down. And I think that whole era wasn't about the wrestling as much as it was about pretty girls and all the fluff. Adrian Reese did catch my eye the first time she came here. And um, I just told her, Regardless of whatever happens and what the results are today, you know, just keep your head up because I really do believe that you have potential. I remember sitting there and just like, what do I do next? It even has a political message. There is so much going on in this. I know it's it's great. It's so cool. And it's great because it even it drags you along in the story because while you're listening to it you're like oh 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 and when you get to that part you're even thinking like oh yeah it doesn't have the diva look i'm like well you know what i'm happy they didn't pick her because you know what she came up she look at her now she she wouldn't have done that like back then that would have been so shitty like those diva things could you imagine her in like a grease contest or something ember moon in a bra and panties match would be depressing i know it would be really bad her whole thing is she's like 
positive and upbeat and great. That's the other thing. We get to hear her like hero's code that actually describes her true gimmick, which is the way that she sees herself, which is that she sees honor and all this like noble things about herself. And I'm like, ah, ditch the fantasy shit and stick to that. You don't have to be a werewolf or a Greek goddess. Just be like, I believe in honor and and heart we and see like a skill. promo of her as athena talking to her mom on the phone and not telling her where she is yes and then being like i'll be home soon don't worry i just have to do something she hangs up there's so much going on in this she finally meets Paige, and Paige asks her why are you not at the wwe and she said i tried out and it I'm just, I'm not a good fit at the WWE. I'm doing a different thing. And Paige goes, they don't want you, but they need you. Try out again. She tries out again. And she says, before I showed up, I promised myself, if I didn't get into the WWE at this moment, I would never step into a wrestling ring again. I mean, it just has every, it's like, it's got everything. It's like a story. It's like a Cinderella man or something. I don't know. And then they separate the people at the performance center into three groups. And Triple H himself tells her group, you guys are the lucky ones. You're the ones that we're going to sign right now. Part of that group is Oni Lorkin. Part of that group. There are so many other people in this group. They that you picked, recognize, yeah. They picked such a good batch. They show of a picture. They show a picture of like their class, their graduating class, or whatever the hell it is. It shows a picture. Oh my god! There's and a lot of good people. Oscar had already started training there, so obviously she isn't a newbie. But you know, right? Um, and then it cuts back over to the voiceover. It cuts back to like. I know. Finally, she had battled to the summit of the... Fuck you. I was... She's crying. I'm about to cry. I'm so emotionally invested. And you undercut it. It's so... It's actually... It's so affirming for me with her. Because the thing... The reason I have problems is because I get the feeling that they're not 100% behind her and creative. And that they're influencing her gimmick and being like, yeah, you've got a great gimmick. you got a good idea. But... Could we make it more fantasy? Could we make it more goofy and weird? Like, whatever. Like, could we make it more this stupid thing? Like, you've got a generally positive attitude. Kids will love you, so be a werewolf. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's what they're doing. I, I feel like when she's talking and she's natural in this, I want to get behind her all the way. Which is weird because she's basically cutting Roderick Strong's family promo. I know! And whenever Roderick Strong is cutting those, we kind of laugh because we're like, ah, oh, this is really over the top. Right. And I am behind this 100%. I'm I super into it. I just want her to win. Because I feel like it's really earnest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It actually feels like somebody gives a shit. Her talking about Asuka and talking about how she still feels resolution because she earned acceptance even if she didn't win the title. I thought that was really good. I loved seeing the behind-the-scenes things with her and Asuka, like, studying together. I thought that was fun. Studying together and taking photos together. Yeah. And, like, they both oh. look like really fun people. I feel like if they had more promos of Ember like this, having momentary shots of her, like, worriedly clutching the belt would make a little bit more sense because they would have humanized her. She would be like, 
oh, I've worked so hard and now somebody's going to take this away and I can't let that happen. You wouldn't think of it as a weak moment, but just a, like, scared moment, an unsure moment. If you're a fucking werewolf, what do you give a shit if the iconic duo hit you from behind? You're a werewolf. Yeah. They aren't going to Just turn into a monster and eat them. Oh, yeah. wait. You can't. That's not actually a real thing. I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff about, about Ember Moon, but I, this made me realize that it's not her that I'm getting a little weird feelings from. She's gold, like 100%. She's fine. Yeah, she's great. It's something else, and I think it's the gimmick. I think it's just the fucking weird fantasy overtone shit. Hopefully there's enough response to this package that they start cooling it with that. I hope so, too, because I think, really, honestly, even in interviews, they're okay. I mean, but if she got to focus more on being, like, honor, you know, integrity, you know, fighting for people. You know, the Shayna Baszler thing might be actually a really good move. They could have Shayna Baszler, like, attacking Kyrie Sane and her rescuing Kyrie Sane and just being like, that's not cool. You don't have a match. Which is kind of weird that she didn't do it last week but no but it was like but there were guys all over it so it kind of felt like you know you didn't need to but i liked her response to Kyrie's challenge that she was like smiling at her and like yeah i'm eager i i think that you go less fantasy uh werewolf stuff and more what it seems like her old character was which was like athena war goddess like it doesn't even have to be a magic thing. It's just that, like, I'm the embodiment of fighting as hard as you can. I was almost getting, like, a Kurt Angle vibe from this. Yeah, I tried really hard, and I always try, and trying is important, and working hard, and, you know, doing what you love. And I was like, shit, this is, like, so... You could get behind this so easy. And also, again, like Kurt Angle, it had the moment of fucking breaking your neck at the height of your career it's like she was about to move into the big leagues and they were like you don't look the way we want your tits aren't big enough honey get some implants Either that or it was like or it was i could almost see them being like we already have a black girl it was shitty back in american society the girl next door is not black which is fucked up because it's becoming more likely that she actually in reality is if you look next door whoa or she's a Nazi. Well, that's oh god. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the part you don't want to think about. Well, on that uplifting note, is there anything else you want to talk about this week? No, you know what? I think I think we're good. I was gonna be like winners and losers, top matches. I was like, if you care enough about NXT to listen to our program, you know who the winner is and who's the loser. Winner, Pete, Pete Dunn. Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Bam! We couldn't even fucking, we couldn't even time that better if we tried. No communication before this. We are on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe, rate us, review us, share us with your friends. We're also on Stitcher. You can contact us at whatsnxtpod at gmail.com. Do we still have a contest going or has there been a winner? We still have a contest going. Well, there you go. Be the first one to contact us. If anyone emails me, we will say your name on this show. If you really wanted to fuck with us, you could give us a made-up name. Like, Maya Butthurts. Or... Ooh. 
I love it. IP freely. Hey, is there a butts here? See more butts? Hey, everybody, I want to see more butts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you want to hear us say see more butts, just email me and say, hi, my name is Seymour Butts. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm a stupid moron with an ugly face and a big butt, and my butt smells, and I like to kiss my own butt. Wait a minute. You can also contact me on Twitter. I'm at Enemy of Both. Alec, you got anything to plug? Yeah, I got a Sailor Moon podcast. Check us out under the Tokyo Tower. But that doesn't make you a loser. Sailor Moon says. <laughs> you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, and on our website, which is midnightzero.nyc. Hey, Alec. Yeah, what's up? Have you been updating the What's NXT stream on midnightzero.nyc? Or is it Probably still not. at episode five? I bet I haven't because of time dilation. Can I say that again? Can I use that one the second time? We're super close to that neutron star that Angelo Dawkins keeps in his stomach that allows them to <laughs> be in the ring for 20 minutes at a time. Angelo Dawkins is just next door. That's what it is. I see. Why don't you uh, update that? Because you can also listen and talk about the show on midnightzero.nyc. That's right. You can. Especially after today, you can. <laughs> next week, we'll have an episode. There will also be a takeover next week, but that'll be showing up in our feed in two weeks from now because of how we record. Thank you so much for listening. Please do tune in next week to find out what's next. What's NXT? Chickadee, 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 chickadee. Sex lantern. <laughs> <laughs> this is the button, the stinger, whatever. I can't find it. <laughs> All um, right, let's move on. Yeah. We got hung up on talking about the Green Lanterns. <laughs> we got hung up on talking about sexy Green Lanterns. <laughs> uh, Stupid sexy Green Lanterns. <laughs>